Sometimes you see it coming. Sometimes you don't. I was called in the Friday before Christmas, and I was told they were letting me go. My husband of 22 years came home the day after our daughter's graduation and told me he had only stayed all this time for the kids. Significant life changes can come fast and without warning. It's what you do next that matters. I mean, nothing changes your life more than a diagnosis like that. But eight years later in remission, and honestly, I'm having the best year of my entire career. And then I went home and I collapsed and I cried and I sobbed and I screamed and I wailed and I'm like, okay, I got to find a job. Not a single door open. Until the day when it happens to you, you should always be asking yourself, what's in your blind spot? Featuring Patrick Lennon and Dr. Greg Sinema. Okay. Wait, so excited to be back on the air. Uh, been a while since we've recorded, but welcome back to the blind spot. I think we've had some Really good feedback from listeners. Um, one story I want to share on a separate podcast about a gal that used to work with me. And uh, it, it just, anyway, thank you for leaving comments. We only want positive, by the way. Um, but no, really, thanks for the reviews. And today we're going to do something a little different. And Greg and I were talking about, obviously, there's a lot of people out there that we can't get on the show for whatever reason. But their stories and some of the blindsided moments they've had I think could give us a lot of insights into what to look for and what to avoid. And a lot of it comes down to enabling. A lot of it comes down to, you know, not having the right people in your circle sometimes. And, but this story is amazing. Um, and I want, Greg, I know you, from a therapy standpoint, this has got red flags written all over it. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you have any feedback, Greg, but I'd love to have you sort of get into what you, what your thoughts are here. Yeah, we can learn so much by by looking at people's lives who are blindsided. And it, it isn't that we all have to share the same sort of trauma, um, but we all sort of have demons in our lives. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about how this particular individual who is highly, highly successful by almost any measure, yep. how the demons caught up with him and, and how they can catch up with us. So um, we're not going to tell you who this person is, moving into the story. It's kind of like a, um, listen to the story and listen to what was going on in his life. And then we'll tell you who he was at the end. Yeah. And I think you'll be very surprised by it, but the real value of this and, and the whole value of the, the blindsided sort of podcast idea here is what do we, what do we take away from this and why yeah. do we keep searching for happiness and the things to make our lives better and yet we can't find it and how frustrating that is for people. So that's the theme. So true. Well, just because, I mean, I think all of us, Greg, right? Like, you know, we, we search, we, we think it's money. We think it's um, fame. We think it's, um, you know, ego. All those things are sort of what we kind of immediately go to. I know when, whenever we get hit by something, especially men, I feel like in a, in a you know, like a career basis thing, is that sort of we put so much emphasis on how much money we make or where we are in our career. And th this story is sort of gets you back to no matter how much money you have, much, how, much, how much you are told you're wonderful, um, happiness is not always this. Yeah. I, re I recall, and I'll tell a quick story of when I was first starting out as a young therapist, I was working um, with, a, with a group practice of therapists who were really skilled. I mean, just top-notch type therapist. And I was in awe of these guys. And they had all written books. And I mean, several books, best-selling type books in the field of self-help and psychology. And I thought, all right, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to write a book. 
And, yeah. and I did. And I, I, I wrote that book and I thought that was going to make me, you know, on a par with these guys and I'd be happy and they would be, you know, in awe of me. And I wrote my book and it was like, oh, well, m maybe it's two books. Maybe that's what you right. have to, because I didn't get any adoration at right. all from these guys, right? Right. right. And I should have. sales? Did you get any, get any sales? <laughs> yeah, actually, I bought two okay, of them. Good. And, okay. <laughs> I don't count, by the way. Gave, I, think, I think I may have bought one. Gave one to my mom and she didn't even read it. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, yeah, so, so I wrote another book and I wasn't any happier after the second book. And so I thought, well, I'm a, I'm a sharp guy. I'll put this together. It's not about books, but no, maybe it's three books. So I wrote a third book and it wasn't until I, I think I was five books in that I realized I'm chasing a demon here and I'm, mm -hmm. and I'm trying, mm -hmm. I'm trying to live up to some expectation or I'm trying to get some approval from somebody who's yeah. not capable of giving, nor should I be looking for this approval from these people. And it wasn't that they're bad; it's that I was messed up, uh, and it and it took that, and that it ate, it ate up a lot of months of my life writing that I realized um, just wasn't important. So uh, that's a quick aside. Yeah, no. I mean, what was your what was your lesson there? It's always, I mean, I want people to learn from this kind of stuff. What was your lesson there when you found out that that wasn't going to fulfill you? Um, be careful what you're chasing, and and think it through very carefully because. Um, what you think it's going to take to make you happy and what you um, aspire to, quite often when you get to that point, you look at it and go, well, that wasn't it. Um, so, you know, that's that's how people end up in the wrong careers. Um, that's how people end up getting fired when they should have never been in that position. They should have never yeah. been there. It was a bad fit, right? Um, so lots of stories and lots of things to take away from that. But why don't we talk about this guy? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, where, where was he from? I thought that was interesting. I mean, like his, his parents were from, were they from, were they Vietnamese? What, uh, what, what was the background? Taiwanese. Taiwanese, okay. Right. So so let me kind of give you a little background of the story and, and jump in anywhere you want. But this Harvard oh, educated. For sure. yeah. yeah. So he's Harvard educated, right? Taiwanese immigrants, parents. Um, this guy is highly entrepreneurial um, and, and people will know him just by some of the story and others will just be amazed by who this was. But at an early age, um, his first successful venture was in middle school. He was selling personalized buttons to other students, right? He went to Harvard. He made a profit by compiling and selling study guides. So this guy shows early brilliance, right? Early brilliance. At 24, he sold his first company to Microsoft for $265 million. In 2009, at the age of 35, he sold his e-commerce company to Amazon for $1.2 billion with a B. With a B, with a B. Yep. And in 2020, at the age of 46, he was dead. And this wildly successful entrepreneur revolutionized both the tech world and the corporate culture. And he was a business visionary by any yeah. standard of measure, right? He was a man in search of happiness. So what happened? How could somebody who was in search of happiness get it so wrong? But he claimed that his secret to success was making his employees very happy. And at the peak, his employee-friendly culture was so famous across the tech industry that it inspired new ways of treating employees and new corporate culture ventures that, that were all designed to just create this euphoric workplace where just people loved to come to work and they were happy and no matter what, they just adored this guy and came to work and loved what they were doing. And then he moved his company headquarters to Las Vegas, where he personally funded a nine-figure campaign to revitalize the city's historic downtown district, which was really in disrepair. 
But as he fell deeper and deeper into his struggles and his demons and his mental health issues and drug addiction, there were people in his inner circle that were taking advantage of him. And there were people who were enabling him, people who were not the truth tellers. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But they were those who were around to kind of prop him up and yep. make him think what he was doing was right. But drawing on hundreds of interviews of what happened to this guy, there was a wide range of people whose lives that he touched. And as they're starting to piece together what the portrait is of, of this man and what plagued him and what was he searching for and what was the happiness thing that kept haunting him that he kept chasing to try to find happiness and what were his demons. But in late November of 2020, he found himself, he was living in Utah and there was a fire. And he died in this fire. And it was a tragic story of a man who had a wonderful reputation, but he was into partying. He was gambling. He was into drugs. He was doing nitrous oxide, um, severe mental health breakdowns. And yet nobody could help him. Nobody could drag him out of this pit. And finally he gave in and died. And it was a tragic story. It's horrible. And I think so that's it, everybody. Nice talking to you. I'm kidding. So we, you know, we, we're going we're gonna to continue to go. Um, one uh, one correction. Cool. Yeah. Well, you know what? I, I live with humor. Uh, I think I've had my entire life. Um, I've had to come out of things with humor, but there's no humor in this, right? The sadness of this. And I'm not sure if he actually perished in Utah or in the East Coast. I just, I don't know if that's I agree if you're, if you're sure on that one. But you're right. It was I think it was Connecticut where he died. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. And they found him in a, in a, in a house fire. Yep. Where he, but he was barricaded too. Um, but kind of getting back to A, happiness, right? And, and what happiness means. And I feel like when you try to tell everybody they need to be happy and everything's about happiness, life's not always happy. And I think, at least for me, Greg, I don't know from your perspective, oftentimes sadness you grow the most from sadness and you grow the most from adversity. And I think everybody getting massage rooms and unicorns. And I think, as you said, in one of your episodes, beer and Skittles, it's that's not life. And I think he was so focused on creating this happiness culture that he lost sight of really what truly are demons in people and himself. And then you throw this enabling kind of group around him and you throw in the drugs and you throw in everything else and the money. And I think you can look back on it and say, this makes a lot of sense how this ended so tragically. Yeah. You know, you I can. Know. I, I've always kind of aspired to that saying, and I, I didn't coin this, but I love it, is you know, you're either winning or you're learning. And I like that. Right. And it and it really is the way we should be living our lives because um, we mm -hmm. don't we don't always win. And I think one of the big tragedies of of our current culture is that we have to be winners and, yep. and we're not right you have you have to be an amazing person and everybody has to acknowledge you're amazing and we're not I'm but didn't not that come but sorry to interrupt but didn't that come from sort of the boomer parenting generation like i was at a comedy club a couple months ago in, in scottsdale and this guy came up and he was uh maybe five 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 six because he told us what his height was and he said all right. He said, listen, I'm a boomer. He goes, I'm a, I'm a millennial. And uh, yeah, I think I deserve more than I probably deserve. I'm spoiled. I want this. I want that. And let me tell you something, guys. You created me. 
Oh, no, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. Go backwards. He said, I was a basketball player in high school. He said, I literally played basketball for three years. He goes, you can check my stats. Check them. He said, zero baskets, zero assists. I played for three years. My parents had a basketball shooting coach. I had a room full of trophies. <laughs> he said, "He said you guys created me. He said, so don't bitch and moan if I start asking for things that I'm not entitled to. <laughs> and I, I, I don't know if that's just how we've raised our kids. Which, listen, everybody changes and does course corrects and everything else. But I think a lot of these kids and, and people now are... They don't want to be told no. They don't want to be told you're doing a bad job um, or that you need to change it. Um, and this happiness culture, I think, kind of goes there, right? Well, and I can be totally wrong. And I, I mean, I that's just my feeling. I don't think you are wrong. I'll, I'll give yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. tell you where I think we went off the rails, and, it, and it's my generation's fault. Yeah. yeah. Is and, and you and I chatted about this, and you laughed at me for it. But I'll, I'll tell, mm -hmm. I'll tell mm -hmm. the story. I'll reveal it. it's mm -hmm. not, it's not flattering about me, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so when my kids were playing soccer, right? Juicy. <laughs> See, oh, no. oversharing little so good. If you guys like this, please put comments in the in the, in the show notes on this or on the uh, in the reviews because this is a great story. This is, this is why you don't want a therapist as a father, right? So at the, I, I learned very early. I, I went to all the games. I learned very right. early. I don't fit in at the games. I do not. Fit this is out. soccer. This is soccer. Soccer, right? Little kid right. soccer. I am not sure, a yeller sure. or a screamer. I don't. You know, right? I, I'm not into that. Yeah. But here's what here's what I saw the very first game is mm -hmm. at the end of the game, the parents all get up in, in unison and yell, tunnel. <laughs> and they and they go to the sideline and they put their uh, arms together in this arch, yeah. right? One right. one set of parents on one side, one set yeah. of parents on the other. Yeah, sure, and they sure. create an, an arch tunnel and the right. kids run through it and the parents yell and scream how amazing they are. Even yeah. though they got blown out 26 right. to nothing, right? <laughs> and so the first time this happened, I just kind of so sat good. there and, and just thought, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and yeah. my wife, who is just the greatest cheerleader of all, right? She oh, gets yeah. up and yeah. she's yeah. doing yeah. tunnel. And I'm I, back sitting in with my a stranger. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. I got to be honest, right? You wouldn't do the tunnel. You wouldn't do the she, tunnel. I wouldn't do the tunnel. And, <laughs> and the second game, the same thing. And she's like, yeah. well, are you going to do a tunnel? And I'm like, yeah, nope. I'm not doing a tunnel. <laughs> not doing a tunnel. I am not no. doing a tunnel, yeah. right? And it's yeah. and so yeah. we had a conversation about that, which means you know, a trip to the woodshed for me. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. and then and the coach came over after one of the games. He goes, "Hey, I'm just kind of curious. Um, yeah. Why don't you do the tunnel?" Yeah. And I said, "I think it's destructive. I yeah. I think it's false praise." And I, and I and I think the you know the the win or the loss isn't particularly important. It's the sportsmanship and it's the camaraderie and it's those things. Yeah, but yeah. but when you're you know when you're giving everybody these cheers and telling them how wonderful they are, irrespective sure. of what ha of the outcome, and then mm -hmm. you and then everybody's got to go to the to the pizza place after, and and everybody mm -hmm. gets you know awards and trophies, and you get to watch the other dads drinking beer yeah. during you know. And I'm sure. just looking at this culture, going, what are we? doing to our kids yeah. and every kid has to come up and get recognized by the coach for something special and my kids were mm -hmm. not special i mean right I'm, right i'm telling you that you know yeah. my, my daughter i love her but she was the worst soccer player i have ever, ever. seen in my life yeah. right <laughs> and a really crappy sport on top of it yeah. right uh -huh. it's just uh -huh. you know, I mean, fourth, fourth grade girl so yeah. 
I, I look at that as a microcosm of what started to go wrong in parenting and how we have sent the wrong message. And now we are mm-hmm. dealing with a fallout yeah. of this. So we're getting it. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I mean, we'll probably get canceled, but that's okay. Um, so let's get back to the story. So this guy, and listen, you guys look down at what you're wearing on your feet. And that might give you a clue if you don't already know who it is. Um, but the story is tragic. Um, a book just came out. Um, about the story. There's a podcast about the story. Um, but Greg, I don't know if you have anything else to share before we no reveal the layout. Who it is? Go for it. Let's do it. Tony Shea. He was the founder and CEO of Zappos, um, the amazing shoe brand that I think most listeners are on this on this on this show have probably purchased. He changed the he changed he revolutionized the e-commerce landscape for shoes, and. Uh, that's it, man. I mean, it's an amazing story. Um, I think the book that just came out, I think it's called, is it called Wonder Boy? Um, there's a podcast that came out about the story, which is just, it, it, it is it is so remarkable in terms of what he went through and what the people sort of enabled him to do. Um, he had no truth tellers around him. Nobody stopped him and said, listen, you're not healthy. This is not healthy. They continue to sort of say how amazing he was. And that venture in Vegas that he built, that utopia, it it demolished. It was a complete bust. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a really interesting story. Yeah, it was incredibly interesting, and I found it I found it very valuable from a therapeutic perspective of to look at what this guy was suffering from. I mean, I can only imagine that his parents um, put expectations on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, because generally when you find somebody who comes at this entrepreneurial world and, and is very creative and, and, and genius level at a young age, yeah. there's often, you know, a parent or two parents behind him who are pushing him awfully hard with expectations and the expectations are not bad. Uh, but how they're applied can be you know highly destructive. Um, That's but, true. but he developed these struggles and I, and I have to believe after looking at this model over and over in years that his way of coping with these demons and i'm not laying this at his parents doorstep Uh, but but that he coped with them through drug abuse and through Mm -hmm. um, alcohol and through gambling and different addictions that he used to try to cover up the pain that he was in or at least dim the pain and it didn't work it doesn't work it never works Mm -hmm. and and uh, let me pause for a second because i think you have some some life experience here that's that's applicable to what we're talking about yeah, I mean, I, you know, obviously I'm, I'm a recovering addict. So, you know, I got sober at a very young age and by the grace of God, I've stayed sober. Um, but, you know, my family has addiction in its family, in, in our family. And uh, oftentimes, you know, the rooms of any 12 step program, the reason they're in that room usually is there's, it's a room full of truth tellers and uh, you get checked at the door on your bullshit. And that, that typically is where, there's a, there's an anonymous group in there. That's going to tell you you're full of it or you're unhealthy or whatever's happening in your life that maybe your family, your wife, your, your husband, your boyfriend, your girlfriend is telling you everything's great and you're awesome. Um, sometimes it's not great and sometimes you're not awesome. Um, but yeah, no, the story resonated with me. I mean, thank God I didn't go the route of the tragedy that, that Tony went on, but, uh, Shit, it was a, it's a, it, it's a, it was a wild story. So, um, I, uh, I'm great. Thank you for kind of digging into this. Um, 
And I think we're, you know, again, based on sort of the comments, we'll, we'll, we'll do more of these, but I think, uh, any, any thoughts, Greg, that you want to share before we wrap this one up? You know, I, I do. Thanks for asking that. I think that the encouragement I want to offer people is we, we all have struggles and sometimes when we're wrapped up in them, we think we're the only ones that are carrying this guilt or this shame. We're the only ones that have these secrets. Um, or these fears that are just numbing us and and overriding our lives and, and making us feel just brutally unhappy. Um, you're not alone, and and you are not the only one that feels that. Most people have these things. They're just intermittent. Some people get just so down with them and depressed that they they find it hard to live with. What I find is embracing those. I I think where we really get ourselves into trouble is in self inflicted wounds. And, and by that, I mean, we, we cause our problems by denying our problems or by running from them or medicating them, pretending they don't exist. Um, what I find and what's so valuable about therapy, and I, and I, I just wish, I wish therapy was not such a stigma for so many and that they would just understand how valuable it is. I don't know anybody that could benefit from, from therapy, um, is, is that when you embrace those demons or those weaknesses or those fears, those doubts, the shame, you know, the guilt, or that I'm an imposter in my job, or I've done something in my, my background that I'm so ashamed of. If people know who I am, you know, they'll, they'll hate me. If once you finally, you know, come to terms honestly with who you are, then you can start to turn away from that. You can, you can get unstuck. You can regain the power in your life by owning who you are. And, and it's, tremendously empowering to take ownership of it and let the secret out. Once you put words to a secret or a shame or a guilt or a fear, once you put words to that, they lose their power. It's like a, it's like a nightmare that if you know, over the years I've worked with people with, with dream interpretation and nightmares and reoccurring nightmares. And what I find is, yes, it's valuable to, to hear the nightmare and, and, and to analyze it and understand what, what's coming from. But what's more valuable is once you let it out of your, your collective subconscious that, that drifts out in, in sleep, once you let it out, it loses its power. And, and that enables you to be honest about yourself. Because, and I'll, and I'll wrap it up with this, where people get into trouble is when they live in the past. And the past is where disappointments and hurts and regrets and shame and embarrassment live. And we keep dragging it forward and it haunts our lives, the past. The second problem is when we look into the future too far. And the future is where worries and anxieties and problems exist. The key is being present in the moment and learning how to be content in the circumstance that you're in today because we don't have any guarantee of tomorrow and we can't change the past. Today is it. And, yeah. and you know, if, if there's anything I just wish people would take away from this podcast, whether you've been blindsided by being fired or divorced or a death or a sickness, whatever mm-hmm. it is, today's the day. You only have, you know, right? Yeah. One day at a time. And that's a, that's kind of a trite phrase in, in recovery is one day at a time, but it's so true. Nobody knows what tomorrow's going to live. I, I, I went through some depression when I lost my vision and became blind. I could never do this, or I could never see my daughter walk down an aisle. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but it's hard to do. But you're so right. Stay in today and uh, don't keep it in. You know, yep. like the, the, pot, the pot boils over very quickly. 
Um, but keeping a, a lid on the pot creates a lot of damage and a lot of destruction. Um, hey, thanks everybody for listening today. We are so appreciative of the reviews and so appreciative of um, just doing this. This is fun. I think we hopefully we're inspiring some folks and helping some folks get through some uh, some tough times. Tunnel. So, tunnel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no tunnel. No tunnel. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks very much. Mm-hmm.